In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, how many choices do you think you have to make in a day? Well, life is about choices, and our lives are the sum total of them. Welcome to Girlfriended, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. Well, this is Lisa Jernigan, and sitting with me today is a really dear, special, great, awesome, amazing girlfriend, Kelly O'Donnell. Welcome, Kelly, to Girlfriended. Thank you so much, and what a great introduction. That's just fun. Did you like that, all those words? Because Patty's out playing, and we're going to have to talk about her a little bit behind her back, because she's on vacation, and I am so thrilled that you're sitting with me, and we're going to have so much fun today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, Kelly, let me ask you the question again. How many choices do you think we make in a day? Well, the first thing that pops into my mind is too many, but um, <laughs> I would have to say, gosh, over a thousand. Well, you know what? I start thinking about this, and it's like even like do, do I go get a cup of coffee? What do I drink mm-hmm. in the morning? Mm-hmm. What time do I get up in the morning? What time do I want to walk across the room? Do I want to, you know, everything is really a choice subconsciously or consciously, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Just getting dressed and thinking about what's ahead for the day and putting things in order and, um, you know, you're instantly making decisions. Well, and you know what? Talking about decisions, you know, sometimes um, the choices we make are really simple. Sometimes they're silly. Sometimes they're significant. Sometimes they're really complex. And sometimes our decisions can be life-changing and life-altering. And you're making me laugh. i got to tell you <laughs> because <laughs> if you could see us now, I just want you to know Kelly walked in today and she's really dressed so cute and so nice, and I go, you are dressed so nice for radio today, so I just want to tell you that you're looking mighty fine for a radio today. Well, thank you very much. I find it so interesting what we're going to get to in our topic today, because when we talk about um, a little bit about eating disorders, I just think, okay, I'm the guest host. Where is Patty Wyatt on this topic, and can I come back when there's like body piercings or picking out a good ficus tree or, you know, a ficus tree. I don't know, something like that. Something fun and, you know, interesting <laughs> that's random, but, you know, a little different. Well, I think, I know, this topic, because you and me, it's, it's kind of funny because we've been talking about this. Today we are talking about eating disorders and hope in the midst of the struggle. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and choosing you know, life is a choice, like we said, and these significant choices. And um, I know that um, we were talking the other day because there's this new bad diet kind of thing, but it's supposed to be significant. We know so many of our girlfriends and so many of our you know, guys that are using this. And um, we were talking about it the other day, and you were telling me, and I couldn't quite hear you, mm-hmm. um, the, the acronym, but it's HCG, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard about what's going on. And um, people are, like, dropping the pounds, and it's, 
it, you know, 500 pounds. Uh, <laughs> well, you really need it, 500 pounds. It's 500 calories a day, so it's really like a fast, we were saying, and you get these drops. But we were talking about that. and Yes, yes. And, and you were cracking me up because I was trying to tell you um, HCG, and you were listening to me, and you said H. Like in hello and BG, and I was laughing and going, okay, H as in hello, hello, there goes the weight. But it's really also known as the pregnancy hormone, and I know so many people, men and women, who are on this diet, they're on this fast, and they are dropping significant pounds. And it seems to be done in a pretty healthy way, although when you hear about the calorie restrictions, it can seem kind of scary. But I've watched over this last year, um, gosh, men, firemen, um, one of our friends who's an EMT and, and very much into eating healthy, um, go on this HCG diet and have a lot of success as well as so many friends, so many girlfriends, and all ages and walks of life. It's really, really interesting. So I kind of sat back and watched it and thought, okay, mm-hmm. I want to see and read about this and understand where it comes from. Yeah. and. Yeah. Well, and, and it is eating healthy because it's getting back to, you know, vegetables and proteins and eating and, and doing that. So it is getting you back to eating healthy, which is always really, really good thing to do. Um, and I know you, you take the drop, so I'm, I'm going to go try this. I'm going to try this too because, you know, I, I need to get healthy too. Mm-hmm. And so it makes you more aware of what you eat and what you put in your mouth. Yes. And I, I think the summertime is so easy to get off because you're traveling, you're, you're eating differently, you're eating um, conveniently, I know I, I have been, and so it's, it's good to kind of get back on course yes. a little bit. Yes, and clean your body out. Okay, let's talk about decisions. Okay. And the choices we make during the day. Yes. Okay, I, I personally love uh, your in-studio coffee drinks. Those are awesome. You love those? They yeah, really are a hot milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> they are a hot milkshake. Okay. And uh, I, I also really like the fact that, you know, um, you invited me here today and that we get to talk about this. Now, I want to ask you something about um, just a decision or choice you made last night. What Do you have a side to the bed? Do you have a side to the bed that you sleep on? And what side of the bed did you choose? Okay, of course I have a side to the bed. And I sleep, when you're facing the bed, I sleep on the right side. And I want to know, do you have a side to the bed? You know, um, I do not. And uh, I, I, it's a, I don't even think about it. It's not okay, a choice. We had, a, we, had a, we had a bunch of girlfriends together, and we were talking about sides of the bed for I don't know how that came up. And everybody but you had a side to the bed. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing a survey asking people, okay, do you have a side to the bed? Because even when we travel, I have a side to the bed that I get on the same side of the bed. It's on the right-hand side. And my feng shui is off <laughs> if I don't sleep on that side of the bed. And so it is funny because to me, that makes getting in the bed, I have to choose which side I want then. So I have to make a decision every night, and I just want to be, I just want to go lay my head on the pillow. Right, right. And I just think there's, like, no-brainers, and there's a bed, and you're tired, and you go to bed. So uh, See, that is to... such a foreign thing to me. I think that is just so funny. So, I, you know, how many of you out there have a side to the bed, and how many of you just get in the bed? Mm-hmm. And just wherever your body lands, that's where you sleep, I guess. <laughs> right? <laughs> And it relieves you of one less decision you have to make in the day. <laughs> okay, whatever. Well, you know, also we're talking about we're talking about decisions. We're talking about you know impressions. I think when you think about eating disorders and and some of the stuff, it's like 
how you, your self-image and how you project. And I know a lot of times, you know, even just meeting with people, we always want to put the best, our best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And we are right now in the midst of planning for a large girlfriends conference here in Mesa, Arizona at our church. And we're expecting over a thousand women and we're bringing in Shante Feldman, author, and we're bringing in Harmony Dust. And we just have some exciting things that are going on. And so we're in that promoting stage. And so I met a new gal. Merlin, I just love Merlin, by the way, and she's going to kind of head up our, 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 our hospitality gals that are going to be perusing the room and the facility and making sure every woman feels welcome and touched. So yesterday was my first time to meet with Merlin for coffee and to go over this and to cast a vision of what we're doing and why we're doing it and her significant role. And so I really want to have a good impression, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Merlin comes dressed up looking darling, darling linen pants, pressed white blouse, just mm-hmm. looking, you know, just cute as a bug. And so we're sitting there having coffee. And so I want to make a good impression, so I order Venti sized coffees for us, yeah. you know, because I just, you know, overachiever. I right. want to give her more than what she – so we both have our – so what I did, because I couldn't decide mm-hmm. if I wanted a hot coffee or if I wanted an iced coffee, mm-hmm. what I did was I ordered a hot coffee and a glass of ice mm-hmm. so that I could pour my drink, over half of my drink, into the ice so that I could have both. Okay. So then, then my palate could be satisfied either way. <laughs> so I have my my iced vente, and it's full because with all the ice and I pour my coffee in there, it's full. Uh-huh. So I have my full vente, which is this super large size, sitting there on the other one. And so I am going into my story, and I'm casting the vision, and I'm just so excited. And all of a sudden, my hand gets a little too excited, and it knocks my vente drink over. Mm-hmm all over Merlin's linen pants. Mm-hmm. It went all over the table, all over her pants, all over the floor. So much so, it made such a racket that the whole Starbucks turned and looked at us. And I was mortified, mortified. What was Merlin doing? Merlin is laughing. Mm-hmm. And she's so gracious. And she's just like, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm like, Merlin, I'm so sorry. So I go get towels from the baristas. And I'm like, we need a mop. I'll even mop it because I do like to clean up after my mess. And getting napkins, and these guys are rushing over, and they're helping us. And so, obviously, we had to move and change tables because I left a, a scene there. And I kept apologizing. Finally, Merlin goes, if you apologize one more time, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I am choosing to not stay here any longer and have yes. that coffee poured all over me. I, and I think, I don't know that I left the impression I wanted to leave, but I think I left a memory for her. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so now Merlin and I will share a vente drink. Not to mention you stained her clothing. I know. That's I know. a memory. I, I, you know, thinking of that, I'd really probably need to do a little dry cleaning for her. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think about all that? What? I think if you slept on the other side of the bed tonight, you'd be more rested and you wouldn't <laughs> fling your arms around coffee houses. Of course you do. <laughs> Well, you know what? We're going to be talking about something a little more serious today than what side of the bed you sleep on and about filling venti drinks. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking with uh, two amazing women that have really done remarkable things. So here at Girlfriend, it, we're all about rallying others to do the remarkable. And we're going to hear some remarkable stories. And um, a good friend, Mary Ellen Clausen, lives in New York, and she's done some amazing things in the, in the eating disordered world. And then she's going to be introducing us later in the show to her friend Doris. And I'm just so excited to have everyone hear their story. And I think especially this time of the year, um, school's out getting ready to start. Yes. And so many college age and even high school girls 
really struggle with this topic, eating disorders. And I think as moms, we need to be aware of this and what to look for, and even as, as young gals, be aware of the devastation of this. It's not just a casual, mm-hmm. I have an eating disorder, but there really are some, some warning signs and things to look and some trigger points. But there's also hope in the midst of the struggle. And that is the message today that we want to get across. And I know that Mary Ellen and Doris are going to share that with us. And so as we leave and go into our next segment, I just, you know, I, this is a, is a decision. This is one of those tough choices that people make that has life-changing implications. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, there's hope. So stay with us because coming up, we have Mary Ellen Clausen from Ophelia's Place in New York. And Doris, her friend, will be sharing her story, her amazing story to encourage us. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Togginet. Starting November 4th, Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking. And then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life, and she'll share that in every show. Critical Thinking in the Real World with Janet Hens, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central, starting November 4th on toginet.com. Mommy Mentor with Phyllis Palmetta is on Toginet, Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. The Mommy Mentor is all about family, daily life struggles, saving money, weight loss, cooking, organizing, relationships, and a touch of inspiration and motivation. Phyllis ensures through the Mommy Mentor that moms have a voice, a shoulder, a friend. Phyllis is an amazing woman who has the ability to weather the storm with her pearls on and keep right on going. And the Mommy Mentor was born of that spirit because at any given moment, you might find yourself in need of support from someone who has been there. And Phyllis has definitely been there. With her husband and three kids, the struggles they faced, that's what the Mommy Mentor is all about. One mommy showing support for another mommy. Whether you're a seasoned veteran mommy or a brand new mommy, the Mommy Mentor is here to offer you support, share stories, connect on a spiritual level, and make new friends. Check out themommymentor.com. And then don't miss the show, The Mommy Mentor with Phyllis Palmetta. Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Well, wherever we look upon this earth, the opportunities take shape within the problems. And that is a quote by Nelson Rockefeller, and I think that's so appropriate for our, our subject that we're talking about today with our special, my really, really special friend, Mary Ellen Clausen. And um, Mary Ellen is the uh, founder and director of Ophelia's Place that's in Syracuse, New York, and you're going to hear more about this. So, Mary Ellen, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thanks, Lisa. Thanks for including me. I really appreciate it. Well, I just love you so much and your heart and your passion. I'm so excited for other people out there to get to hear your heartbeat and your story and your humor and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to jump right in because there is so much to uh, talk about today on this subject, and I, I don't want to dominate. So I want you to share with us, why are you passionate about this subject of eating disorders? Well, I think it really came as a result of um, our own family's personal struggle around this issue. Lisa, I have two daughters that struggled, and when my older daughter was diagnosed, it was way back in 1997, and if you remember, Google didn't even exist then. So when she was diagnosed with an eating disorder, I believed that this was her problem and that I was going to somehow fix it. And so I was going to you know, go and find those resources that was going to take care of her and that was going to fix her. And again, Google didn't exist, so we had to do things, you know, the old-fashioned way, um, and so I started just really doing a lot of research. I thought I could, if I couldn't go to the Internet or I couldn't find it on the Internet, I could go to the Yellow Pages, and there would be a heading for eating disorders. I would find the appropriate specialist, and I would call her and or him, and they would fix her. That was not at all the case. What I found, what I discovered was that eating disorders are incredibly complex and difficult and challenging, and um, it's not just about fixing, it was not just about fixing my diet. It was about looking at the whole family as, as together um, and what did we need to do differently. And so shortly after my older daughter was diagnosed, my younger daughter was diagnosed. And mm-hmm. so we really and truly um, just really tried to figure out what was the best. I didn't even know what treatment looked like. When people would say, do you have a treatment um, team in place, I'd be like, what does that mean? I don't really know that. And so after lots of research and lots of treatment programs and lots of traveling across the country, we had come back. My younger daughter had just gotten out of a, ironically enough, had just gotten out of a treatment program um, in Arizona, right in your backyard there. And Mm -hmm. she had spent three, four and a half months, her senior year of high school, her first semester um, in Arizona. And when she returned, she had about two weeks of downtime before her second semester of high school would start. And she had said to me, you know, Mom, I wish there was a place that I could go to. Um, And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, a place that would provide me, uh, you know, support that could help hone my recovery skills. I mean, she was in a bubble of an environment. She was nurtured, taken care of. And when she got out, she was you know, like a fish out of water. She really was was scared. She was afraid of relapse. And so we started looking at all that, and I said, tell me what that place would look like. And she said it would be a safe place. It would be, it would provide, you know, a support group. There would be other people that would be there. I wouldn't feel like I was so alone. And so we really started to just kind of envision what that would be, and I truly believe that this is this is what we were supposed to do. And so um, we just kind of um, started to uh, mobilize efforts in the community. I had a lot of naysayers in the community saying that there really wasn't an issue, that it was just my own family's personal struggle, and um, that there really wasn't a need to create a place, So, because obviously we were trying to raise funding to do this. And so we didn't believe that. We believed that um, there was a need. So we held an open house one night. We advertised it in a local, you know, a local newspaper said, if you or someone you know is struggling with an eating disorder, um, come to this open house. We want to hear from you. Seventy-five people came that evening. 
Wow. We then knew this was not just a need of our personal family, that it was um, a need of the community. And so that's really what kind of propelled it all. And from that point on, there was really no turning back. I don't think I, I mean, I don't know that I ever really intended for Ophelia's Place to be what it is today, but I believe it was completely in response to the overwhelming need that's out there as it relates to this issue. I can see exactly where your passion comes from and um, just how this all came to be in terms of Ophelia's Place and its inception. Can you tell us what is an eating disorder, and, and what are, are there different types of eating disorders? And can you describe if there's any, like, common denominators amongst young girls or women? Well, there are many different types of eating disorders, and I think one of the things people are often, people will often say to me, what are the signs and the symptoms? And I struggle with really giving them, answering that in a clear-cut way, and part of that is my daughters had had two both of them had eating disorders. My older daughter was a um, quote-unquote typical type of an eating disorder. It was easily diagnosed. She had struggled with anorexia, so there was weight loss. There was the very typical restriction of food, very typical um, signs of that eating disorder. However, my younger daughter, was it was the abnormal that became normal. And so she went undiagnosed for years because when the doc, when she, we would take her to a doctor and and a doctor would ask her these questions, do you obsess about food? Do you have good food or bad food? Do you, um, you over-exercise? Asked her questions that um, we, if she struggled with an eating disorder, we would have expected her to say yes to, to them. She said, no, 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 but I don't have any issues around that. She didn't count calories. She didn't read labels. Um, and so it was, she was very hard to diagnose. When she finally got her diagnosis at the age of 16, she had said to me, she was in her... Um, bedroom that evening, and I remember asking her, I'd gone up to see her, and she was sitting there with these big tears coming down her eyes, and I said, tell me what you're thinking right now, and she said, Mom, I don't remember my life before my eating disorder. I said, I don't know what that means, and she said, we, you know, she was just diagnosed that day, and she said, I remember being um, in elementary school and thinking that I couldn't be the prettiest, I couldn't be the smartest, I couldn't be the most athletic, but she said, I was bound and determined I was going to be the smallest. Well, then all the light bulbs, you know, in hindsight, right, all the light bulbs started to go off. As I recalled her youth, as I recalled her adolescence, and I remember thinking, I remember going, oh, my goodness, how did I miss all of this? She was chronically sick um, at school. She would struggle with, she was lightheaded. She would pass out in school. Um, I was getting phone calls on a weekly basis from the nurse's office. Um, we took her to doctors. She had um, every type of test imaginable, everything from blood work to CAT scans to MRIs to x-rays, um, all kinds of tests that were done, none of which was showing. None of, everything came back fine, that there was nothing wrong with her. Well, you know what? During that period, nobody was asking her if she was eating. Nobody was asking her if she was eating her breakfast or her lunch. And I don't blame anybody by any means. But I think what, what was ha- I was giving her, I was packing her lunch every day. I was giving her breakfast in the morning that, you know, we were always running late. And so she would take it on the bus with her. And she said, Mom, do you remember when you used to do that? I was throwing it away. Wow. I was going to school and I was throwing it away. And I said, oh, my goodness. So she was eating one meal. And that meal, when she got home at night, I mean, that meal looked normal for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then before we knew it, we were just normalizing all of her behaviors. Well, that's just her. She's a picky eater. Um, she only eats when she's hungry. Somehow or another, we were justifying all of that. And before you know it, by the time she was 16 years old, this child was compromised. 
And it took extensive, I mean, extensive, and that doesn't, and I don't by any means want to minimize my other daughter's struggle with her eating disorder. It was just easier to diagnose her disorder. Right. So I struggle with saying these are the things that you have to look for because I think it's become very, very normal. I think any obsession over food, over weight loss um, is is a red flag, is a warning. And when you, you'll meet Doris at the end of the show, and I need to tell you, and I, I will, um, she will, can explain this further, but I thought, I really thought that I, I, you know how you think you're, you're listening? I thought I was listening to my kids. I thought I knew how to communicate with my kids. Yes. I think what I learned through all of this was that I didn't have a clue. And what I was saying, they weren't necessarily hearing. And the other piece of all of this is the fact that I really needed to look at my own issues and all of that. And when my younger daughter was out in treatment, she called me one day, and I often tell the story. And she said, I said, you know, how was your day today? And she said, oh, I had a really good day. I had a really good session with my therapist. And I said, you did. Do you want to talk about it? She's like, um, yeah, we talked about you. I go, hmm, you did. No mom ever wants to hear that, right? Oh, and she said, um, yeah, she said, we, we talked about your food issues. I said, I don't have food issues. She said, okay, Mom. She goes, we talk about how you and Aunt Kathy and Aunt Sandy and Grandma, when you get together, you always talk about, you know, if you eat standing up, it doesn't count. If you eat charity food like Girl Scout cookies, for sure you'll lose weight. Um, You know, you talk about the body image piece, all of that. And I said to her, oh, my goodness, did they want to admit me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. They're going to call you for an assessment tomorrow. But I thought, I really need to take a look at my own issues around all of this. Now, it was... I wasn't, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I was completely disordered in my thoughts. But I didn't know that that was abnormal because everybody had those conversations, right? Yes. Well, I think what's the name of what you're saying, too, is so many times when when there's um, an an issue or a problem in the family, we don't want to look at our own self to see what is my part in in this issue. Have I added to this? And I love that you said I had to look at my own issues and go, what have I brought to the plate um, and no pun intended, plate, right. but <laughs> um, that, it, that it may have triggered some things here. And I know that we were, my husband and I were in youth ministry for years and years and, you know, watching with some of the high school girls. And, and, and during, that, during that time, I, there was a couple of girls that were seriously, you know, struggling with this. And one was, had bulimia. And I even remember we would go out to eat, um, you know, with the whole group and everything. And, and she would always be going into the bathroom, you know, and I, I knew what she was doing. And it's like you're just looking for things, but like you said, it's not always so obvious. And Marilyn, we only have like about two minutes till the break, and I know there's, we're just scratching the surface here. But um, as we as we lead into the next segment, I really want to talk about Ophelia's place and, and the hope part to the struggle with eating disorders. But I, I, what is something right now that one one advice that you would leave with people before we go into the break of? Um, of what to look for or how to even, what is the first step I would take? I think the first step is identifying it, is recognizing it. Okay. And, and that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. I mean, even when, when you guys had started the show and I'm listening to the, to, your, to the radio show and I'm listening to even just the conversation around diet, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I so got to no, talk to you. <laughs> and I knew we were going to hear about that, but I was okay with that. I was secure right. with that. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that so true? How as women we really do obsess with that, and we don't even realize that. And like you said, Absolutely. when your daughter said, "I listen to you," and and you know your sisters talk, mm-hmm. and it is so true because we we do as women. It really does um, kind of dictate a lot of our conversations. Obviously, even knowing it. Well, stay with us because coming up, we're going to talk about hope 
in the midst of the struggle, and we're talking about eating disorders, so stay with us. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Are you going through a crisis? Do you have a tough question you want an answer to? This is your show. It's Brilliant Essence with Astrid Stromberg. Monday afternoons at 6, 5 central on Togginap.com. Brilliant Essence speaks to the empowerment of women to find their highest power. Your host, Astrid Stromberg, channels answers to the toughest questions women ask of themselves. Issues ranging from divorce to gifted children to am I safe to fly to where's my soulmate, your life's mission, your lucky streak, and your highest self all come to life with Brilliant Essence. Astrid specializes in spirit communication and spirit life empowerment. She is the founder of Brilliant Essence and contributor to the book Living Our Soul Map. Unleashing the Warrior Goddess Within. For more information on Astrid and Brilliant Essence, go to BrilliantEssence.com. Giving you the power to be. It's Brilliant Essence with Astrid Stromberg. Monday afternoons at 6, 5 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Get a jump on what your preschool kids need to know with Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten from Stacy Cannonberg. A mom told me this is the book I've been looking for. This book gives me all the information I need about what my kids need to know. And a private school admissions director said this is exactly what we test on. Google it, get it, and get ahead. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten. Applauded and approved by parents and educators. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten is a state-approved teaching tool. On sale now, in stores, or online at cedarvalleypublishing.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are talking about hope in the midst of the struggle, specifically eating disorders, and we're talking with my great friend, Mary Ellen Clausen, who is who is the founder and executive director of a place called Ophelia's Place. And Mary Ellen, I remember a few years ago how you and I met because Patty and I were back in Syracuse, New York, speaking at a conference, and there was a mutual friend that she came to us and said, i got to take you to a place, and you've got to meet this woman. And she took us to Ophelia's Place, and I remember it was in the dead of winter and it was a blizzard to us. <laughs> And you kept saying, oh, no, this is not a blizzard. But being from Arizona, we thought we were in the midst of a blizzard. I just remember that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're sitting in Ophelia's place, and she has she introduces us to you, and immediately we were just drawn to you and your heart because you, you, you were fun. And in the midst, you know, you've got to find laughter a lot of times in the midst 
pain. And you, you have a great way of combining your sense of humor in the midst of, of the pain. And I just remember sitting with you, and we, then we found out that your daughter lived out where we live, and so we had a lot of similarities, but we have stayed in touch. But I got to experience Ophelia's place myself. And even since um, I was there, you have added a coffee shop. But you went back to saying, your daughter said, I need a safe place to go even after treatment. Can you talk to us a little bit about Ophelia's place? And if I walked in the front door, what am I going to experience? Well, right now what you're going to experience is the overwhelming aroma of coffee. So, um, yeah, so we started, we started in 2002 and our biggest challenge for the last eight years, um, has been sustainability and funding. And now with the economy being in the mess that it's in right now, we've really had to become incredibly creative with how to sustain, um, and to provide funding for this organization and budgets, you know, budget cuts and everything else has really impacted us. So, um, we had this vision, we had the vision quite a while ago and I felt like I just really put all of that on hold and, and, um, until the last couple of years. We purchased the building that we're in now, 4,500 square feet, and we have a relationship with a treatment program that provides the treatment. So if you can if you can envision these parallel tracks, one being support and one being treatment. Ophelia's Place meets the need as it relates to support, and then we have the treatment piece as well, um, which obviously is, an, is both, both work hand in hand, the support and the treatment. And so we have another part of the building um, that's about 1,500 square feet that we thought, you know what, this would be a great place to open the doors to the community and to create this cafe that would certainly meet a need for the community because there really wasn't anything else here. Um, and then it would be a place that we could see our vision come to come to life. And our vision is really and truly about um, empowering communities and individuals to redefine beauty and health. And, you know, to kind of to, to, to speak to what we were talking um, before the break, you know, in the whole talking about diets and all of that, 98% of eating disorders begin with a weight loss diet. I think that's absolutely, and so when people walk through the door here, and, you know, a lot of people will want to dissect our menu and they'll want to ask, you know, what the calorie count is content is or what the points are. It's an opportunity for us to have a different conversation with them and to say, you know what, we don't really talk about that here. Let me tell you what we do. And so we really promote a health at every size concept. We really promote intuitive eating. Um, And it's very interesting. We had one gentleman here probably a month or so after we opened. He walked in and he was looking for coffee and, and and, and actually just coffee at the time and fresh baked cookies had just come out of the oven and he said, oh, they smell so good. And I said, oh, chocolate chip cookies, are you ready for one? He said, oh, makes the comment, you know, do I look like I need a cookie? And I said to him, your body is beautiful. And another woman was standing in line and she said, yeah, you should celebrate it. And he stood there and he said, oh my gosh, nobody has ever told me that. So the first thing you see when you walk in on the post that goes up the center of the room is your body is beautiful, celebrate it. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And you know what I love? Because so many times I think um, as people, but especially as women, when we have a struggle with something, we tend to hide it or we tend to um, diminish it. You know, like it's not really that bad and we, you know, we, we kind of justify it. Mm-hmm. But what I love is, is there's a place to go, if, you know, for women or people that are struggling with this that, that is safe, that they can talk about it and you don't feel so alone because you go, right. okay, I'm the only one that feels this way. I'm not the only one that struggles with this. And I think there's so much healing that can take place when you can find a place like that. Right. And it's, it really has been, um, it's really been interesting to see people's response to it and the fact that they continue to come back. 
So, and I think, I think it's opened that door for, for the conversations. Like we say all the time, it's time to stop the fat talk. It's time to stop berating our bodies. I mean, we have, how many conversations do we have around lunch that, that we're bashing our own bodies? We wouldn't, we wouldn't in a million years talk to a friend that way, but yet we just, what we do to our own bodies and the comments that we make about them. And I think about, again, my own behaviors. I think about, um, and, and, and Doris, who you meet in a bit, a little bit, was such a role model to me and all of that. When I first heard her speak, it was life changing for me. I knew that, you know what, I really needed to take a look at my own issues around all of that. And how many times did they say to my kids, do these jeans make my butt look fat? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like two things. I was setting them up to lie to me because what if they did make my butt look fat? And why is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. So now it's it's from that I've shifted from that chronic dieter and obsessing over that to just embracing that and celebrating who my body is. And th- let me, there are days that I absolutely have body image issues, absolutely. But there's always something else going on behind that. And so that's what has challenged me to take a look at what, what what's really going on for you right now, Marilyn. Why are you obsessing about this? What is this really about? And so when we when I hang out with other other girlfriends that start talking the diet talk or start talking about, um, you know, restricting or behaviors or, or bashing their bodies. I'm like, hey. Kelly and I, I did earlier. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to, let's not talk about this. There is, and you know, there's a great quote, um, Courtney Martin wrote the book, Perfect Girl, Starving Daughters. She says, my generation is expending its energy on the wrong things. We thought we would save the rainforest and find a cure for AIDS. Instead, we're doing research on the most accurate scales and the latest diet trends. How mm. true is that? Oh yeah, Mary Ellen. Um, I remember you saying earlier that in that uh, your daughter was diagnosed in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, how have the demographics or the common denominators for the the young women you see at Ophelia's Place changed in um, that length of time? It's far more prevalent, and it's interesting that you say the young ladies because it's what we have found when we first opened, we had a lot of teenagers that were coming to support group and with their arms crossed, um, silent pretty much the entire time. It's like, you know, mom dropped them off and said, here, you, you need to get help. And that what I found, this is my own theory on this, the average person that walks through our door now that attends a support group is between the age of 30 and 45. Wow. It is. And what I what I believe is has happened is that it's still working for the teenagers. It's still mm-hmm. working for them. They're not willing to give it up, and it, we're not even identifying it. We're not even. It's become so normal that we're not. I mean, it's a normal to go to Abercrombie or whatever store that's out there and buy a size zero or get a size zero or a size one. So we don't even think that there could potentially be a problem in all of that. So I think that it's still working. And the women that we're seeing now that, that, that are 30, 40, and 50 years of age, they're tired of it. They're mm-hmm. sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're bringing them a place of hope, and they've um, heard about you, learned about you, and they can come in and read a sign right off the bat that says, you know, love your body. Right. Um, I'm raising daughters, and I completely understand that whole Amber Crombie world and and uh, just even the way clothing is designed and you try to shop for a certain size. And my girls happen to be um, in, a, in a place where they're growing and they're changing and they are, we're, we're do, getting ready to do back-to-school shopping. And, and it gets hard sometimes to find the right size of clothing for them uh, for two reasons. One, the styles are cut so incredibly mm-hmm. slim. Yeah. 
Shirts and pants are the real slim fit. And then secondly, um, they aren't necessarily uh, sized based on their age. And so sometimes I'm looking at clothing styles that are way too old for, for my daughters, but that's what fits their body. And mm-hmm. that message right there is so confusing as a parent and kind of navigating through that while we're shopping without them even even picking up on that is it really is um, a challenge. Well, there's so many mixed messages, and it's hard for me to untangle those mixed messages at almost 50 years of age. I can't imagine how difficult it is for our children mm-hmm. to be it able is. to untangle all of that. Well, you know what? Another thing is, too, is like you're saying, even your sign when you walk in, your body is beautiful, you know, celebrated. Words are so significant, and the words we use and the message we send, because I know even with um, a couple of the girls that I had worked with, um, one of the things that had triggered them was um, a family member had said, you're really getting heavy. You're looking, you know, a little fat. Are you gaining weight? And this gal was far from fat, and that was enough to start sending her down a trail, into this thing because I think so many times, especially as women, we we want to be seen as beautiful and we and, and the male role models, we want we want them to to love us and adore us and see us as beautiful. And when we hear a comment like that, it can trigger mm-hmm. something inside of us and it sends such a you know, a hurtful message. So words are really powerful in the choice of words. Can you kind of address that? It's like I don't know, it's like there's certain things you don't say well, what, and one of the things that um, Doris has taught me is to take the focus off the appearance piece. And again, I grew up in a large Italian family, and so it was the mixed messages I got in that Italian family were, you know, Manja, you need to have a second helping, you need to eat more. And then, you know, they'd see me again and they'd, you know, comment about the weight I'd put on. But then, I, then they would say, you know, well, you, you don't like my food since you're not even, a, you're not having a second helping. Yeah. And so it was all those mixed messages. And and what I what I love is that when I, no matter how much time is passed, when I see my friend, she'll say, wow, it's so great to see you. And so the focus is completely taken off my physical appearance because, and oftentimes people, my family would say, you look great if you lost weight. And I've always wanted to say, did I look like crap before? Is that it? Why do we put so much focus on that? And so I never, ever, ever talk about anybody's weight. It is just, it is so great to see you. And it's not, and there's some, I mean, there's some great books out there and there's some great resources in both Ophelia's Play and Andrea's Voice um, websites have some great resources on there. I really encourage moms and dads um, to educate themselves and get this information. Um, how do we? How do we? How do we help? There's a great book by um, Ellen Satter called "Your Child's Weight: Helping Without Harming." Um, how do we raise children to be to have a strong sense of self and all of that? And how do we deal with our own food issues around that? Well, you know, we have a, we, you know, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> I know we do, and we only have a few seconds till the end of the segment, and you know what? This has been so incredible, and I know you're staying with us in the fourth segment, and and you're going to introduce us to Doris, but I know on our website at girlfriended.com, we have Ophelia's Place highlighted, how they can reach you, how they can get in talk with Ophelia's Place, and there's some resources there. So if you or somebody you know is struggling with this, and you go, I don't know where to go, uh, here's a great place. Check this out, and I know that you are a... a plethora, have a plethora of resources, and you have been through this, and, and you're so passionate about this. So, get to our website, find out more. And Mary Ellen, thanks. We're going to stay with us. We're going to talk.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, part of the Her Inside Network on Toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Celebrate Green is coming to Toginet, Wednesdays at noon central time, starting November 4th. The mother-daughter team of Lynn and Corey will have you going green and loving it at no time at all. As heard on Martha Stewart and Disney Radio and seen blogging for HGTV, Lynn Caldwell and Corey Caldwell-Lipsum are unapologetic evangelists for greening every aspect of life, especially holidays and celebrations. Based on their book, Celebrate Green, they're putting the meaning in the greening with their simple, fun, eco-friendly, affordable ideas. From their start with green Halloween to tips, tricks, ideas, and projects for every holiday, you'll love Celebrate Green. You can check them out online, too, at CelebrateGreen.net and GreenHalloween.org for more information, the newsletter, the blogs, places to shop, cool extras, and so much more. So get ready to Celebrate Green, the radio show with Lynn and Corey, Wednesdays at noon central time, starting November 4th on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. Uh, we are talking with Mary Ellen, founder of Ophelia's Place, and this is Girlfriended on toginet.com. And uh, today's message is really about hope in the midst of struggle, and we've been chatting with Mary Ellen and talking about eating disorders and just the ways in which uh, parents and relatives and friends can look for things in women in their lives. And it's not just about young girls we've been talking about. It really is about um, females and males and people and their body image. Mary Ellen, um, you have a really special friend in your life, and I'm going to let you introduce her. Wonderful. Thank you. I met uh, Doris. We were probably into the eating disorders world for five or six years when I heard Doris speak uh, at a college in upstate New York, and it really and truly changed. It changed me. I believed um, her message was it was so powerful that evening, and it was I was able to hear um, from her daughter what I couldn't hear from my own children, and I believe um, it's what, why my children are alive today. Um, Doris Smeltzer is the founder. Her and her husband founded um, Andrea's Voice. Um, she's written a book called Andrea's Voice, Silenced by Bulimia. She is a 
mom, a friend, an educator, a professional, um, and she is wise um, and has learned so much and has been um, so willing to share all of that over these last 10 or 11 years. Um, and so I'm just honored to be able to introduce her, and you will be you will be touched and moved, and things will never be the same after you hear from Doris. So, and thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Doris. Hi. 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 <laughs> I know, you know what? We are so honored to have you on the show, and, and Mary Ellen has shared a little bit of your story, and I'm just going to let you, and you and Mary Ellen, just, just tell us about your story and kind of where it started back and why you are passionate about this, this area of eating disorders. Um, 11 years ago, our 19-year-old daughter, actually at that time she was 18, um, Andrea, she called to tell me that um, she'd made herself throw up the night before. And uh, my knees gave out. I hit the floor. I was so glad she wasn't in the room to see my visceral response because I was overwhelmed with this thought, I'm going to lose her to this. And I didn't even know what this was. I had no idea what we were dealing with. And I said, honey, this is way beyond any area of expertise I have. Are you willing to get help? And she said yes, and good to her word. Two weeks later, she was home from college, and she had an appointment with a physician, a dietitian, and a therapist. Um, and basically, she had developed an eating disorder, and her bulimia, I mean, the eating disorder is called bulimia. Um, but just like Mary Ellen was saying, hindsight 2020, you know, I could see how she had started once she went away to college at 17, um, how she started really obsessing about um, food, about weight, about exercise. And the the biggest trigger for her, which, as Mary Ellen said, 98% of eating disorders begin with some form of weight loss diet, Andrea went on a diet for the first time in her life when she entered college. And it was that trigger, um, which is the trigger for the vast majority of people who suffer with eating disorders, and Andrea suffered for one year. In that time, um, she was getting help the entire time, um, but she was, the behaviors weren't stopping. Matter of fact, I think the behaviors, well, I do know now that the behaviors were increasing, um, unbeknownst to us at the time, and so um, exactly 13 months, so just a little over one year from the first time she made herself throw up, our daughter died in her sleep when oh, I'm so an sorry. electrolyte imbalance caused her heart to stop beating. Mm. Well, you know what? And that, you know, so many times I think um, we, we, we go, it can't, it's not really that significant. You know, it's just a little, we, we tend to minimize things sometimes instead of really going, okay, this is a red flag what's going yeah. on. You need to have an attention to this. And, um, and even like you said, she wasn't getting help and, and all that stuff. But this is really a serious issue, and it really is affecting, you know, women and even males and families. Mm-hmm. And it really is a whole, the whole family because it's like it's not just that one person. That's, that's no, and, and like Mary Ellen said, right, as Mary Ellen said, it was so important that 
I look at my own behaviors. I never once insulted our daughters. We have two daughters. Um, Andrea was our younger daughter. Never once did I insult their bodies. I thought they were beautiful, but I insulted mine all the time. Just like the conversation that um, you and Patty and Lisa, you were having this morning when you started. And there, there's, there's no way I can fault you that conversation. It's the exact same kind of conversation I used to have all the time. I knew the latest diet. I had tried them all. Um, dieting mm-hmm. was, you know, as, as common to me as breathing. If anyone had told me back then, did you know that your dieting behaviors are the number one predictor of who will develop an eating disorder? That one of your daughters is more likely to develop an eating disorder because you diet? I don't think yeah, I, I would have dieted. We are so convicted over here. You should see our faces because it's like, wow. And, you know, I remember I have a daughter who's now 23, and I remember being so aware of even conversations with her, and she went through a period where she was, she was kind of dabbling in that a little bit. And I remember just really watching her because I had had girls in my life that had struggled with that. And it is really a concern. And, and it's like, how do you know when it's, it's um, at the time where you really need to be concerned? Because like I said, you know, young girls, they talk about all the time. They're, they're bombarded with it in the media about their appearance and the looks, like we talked about, the size zero jeans and everything. At what point do you realize, okay, this has crossed the line? Um, I think that it's really important that we realize it before it crosses the line because once it's crossed the line, um, that line is crossed when things become obsessional. So it's obsessionality that puts one over into eating disordered behavior. But there's a continuum of behaviors up until that. So if a person is skipping meals occasionally, a person, a big red flag is becoming um, vegetarian. And I know that there are reasons other than uh, problems with food that people might become vegetarian, but I can't tell you how many um, how many people who develop full-blown eating disorders start, um, number one, through weight loss diets, but they also start to change their eating patterns, and becoming a vegetarian is something that society condones. So you can have some very bizarre eating habits that nobody's going to question if you say you're a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, because... because I'm sorry, mm-hmm. what? It's almost normal now because it's mm-hmm. so, so green mm-hmm. and vegetarian and all that kind of stuff, you know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I don't want to in any way implicate um, vegetarianism that's done with, with real thought so that the individual is really careful to be sure that they're getting the protein, the vitamins, the nutrients that they need. That's absolutely paramount. But someone who's doing it because... Um, it's a way to hide behaviors that otherwise would be sending up red flags. They're not worried about getting, you know, protein or vitamins or minerals. Matter of fact, it's the, the, the least, the, the less, the better. So we want to be concerned as soon as we start. I mean, when we start hearing kids talk about hating their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the sadness is what many people will say to me is, well, excuse me, that's like 90 percent of the population, especially in the female population, although it's rising in the male population, I have to say, yes, our culture speaks anorexic. Our culture, if we eat the way the culture demands, and if we value the body size the culture says we need a body, which is extremely thin, um, we are most likely disordered 
eaters. Mm-hmm. We may not have a full-blown eating disorder, but all those years of my dieting, I was a disordered eater. I didn't know it. Dieting absolutely predicts weight gain. There's mm-hmm. enough research that shows us dieting predicts weight gain and dieting promotes bench eating because our body doesn't understand diet. Our, our body understands famine, and it says, well, as soon as this person touches food again, I'm going to make them bench because I don't know when the next famine's going to come. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to store all of that as fat because that will keep us alive. So it's just so much, and, you know, there's obviously not time to be able to educate the world, but we, too, have a website, andreasvoice.org, and we started a nonprofit. We speak internationally. I have a book out, Andrea's Voice, Silence by Bulimia. And the number one thing parents have to do is they, they need to become informed. Go to Ophelia's Place. Go to andreasvoice.org. Go to the National Eating Disorders Association and just check things out. But if you were to say to me, what is the behavioral change that I can make today that could actually, actually help change the world? That would be going back to what Mary Ellen said, um, never once comment about someone's looks. It's good to see you. It is so good to see you. Never comment about someone's looks. Never make negative comments about your own body. And develop the ability, redevelop the the ability to eat intuitively. Because intuitive eating, you can find out more at intuitiveeating.org. That is the antidote to dieting. And our entire culture needs that antidote. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? We only have about a minute left, and this has been—I got to say—convicting. Because, <laughs> but like I talked about earlier, um, and, and you know what? It's something that we all struggle with in, in some form. And I love that you guys have taken um, a, a pain in your life, a significant pain and tragedy, and turned it into a passion to help other people, and that is really so significant, and that you are providing places where people can go to find hope, to find help, to find healing. And, you know, it is so significant just to have other women and girlfriends in your life that you go, okay, it's okay to share, and it's okay to say this is who I am. And I love the point about, you know, don't talk about body and appearances. Compliment somebody other than body image. So you've given us some really great tips today. I thank you both. Um, Kelly and I have had a blast with you and just have learned so much. And Mary Ellen and Dora, thank you. We, they can, our viewers, our listeners can find you on our website at girlfriended.com to get more resources. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.